The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Welcome you to another week here at the Brandon Peters Show. This episode you've selected features a discussion of the 1998 film Almost Heroes. That discussion is with my guest returning to the show. He once went on a bender at the Bon Parisian feeding pigeons with Kevin on Earth. It's Press Maxson. Oh, man. Thanks for such a warm welcome and for plugging my books. I don't know if anyone noticed, but you slipped a few book titles in that intro. It might have been. Might have been. Show regulars hopefully got it. (laughs) Both of them. Well, thanks for having me and hello to the two regulars. I am so excited. Honestly, I'm so excited to talk about this movie. I don't that the context here is, is that I mentioned this to you, right? (laughs) Like a few weeks, months. I don't even remember how long. On the show. Oh, did it? Was it on the show? So months and months ago, I was like, Mm -hmm. if you ever want to talk about this movie, you give me a call. And when that call came. Oh, oh yeah. I was, yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> I, I I don't, you know, I don't fake out my listeners. You put it there. We talked about it off air, and then you mentioned it when you were signing off the last time you were on. So I was like, okay. all right, all right, all right. Um, but what's been up with you lately? I'm I'm glad you asked. Uh, I've been working on my next book, and uh, I haven't really announced it formally, but I'm just gonna spill the beans. I think it's out on April 5th. Okay. Title, I have also not announced formally, but might as well say the, right. it's called The Bastards of the Revolution. Bastards of the Revolution. Okay. okay. And um, really excited about it. I, it's been written for two years, but we've been searching for a publisher for it and looking for like the exact right way to do it. But uh, the one line pitch on it is, and it's related to the movie in a way, thematically in a way, all right, all right. to what we're talking about today. But uh, the one line pitch is basically it's about a modern day historian who discovers the journal, the diary of a colonial woman who claims to have slept with every founding father. Oh, well, that's awesome. I like that. So it's historicalized or it's, it's like fictionalized history. Mm-hmm. Today's movie we're talking about is fictionalized history, you know, and, and I, I had a good time, you know, imagining what, uh, you know, the, the characters that we know and love as our founders, um, imagining them in a cartoonish version of themselves. But uh, so that's coming up for me. And and I watched this movie that we're going to talk about today recently. And I was and I just thought like, oh, wow, whoever wrote this clearly faced some of the challenges and had some of the fun that I got to have with Bastards of the Revolution in this this movie so that's what i've been up to what about you what have you been up to man not much just uh you know doing too much uh i've (laughs) been working on this show double duty as uh, listeners kind of may have been hinted to that i've been recording 
summer episodes while at the same time keeping up with the regular one. And it's a lot. Yeah. It's fun, but it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, Trying to keep up my writing, too. It's going to pay off, man. It's going to pay off. I will, we'll, we'll, we could hope. We could hope. Someday. Yeah. Somehow. It already is paying off, Prez. It already is. It's good. I know. I'm happy yeah, doing it. So it's paying it's good. off. That's all that matters. I'm not Truly. doing I'm not doing my old show. I'm doing this one. So it has paid off. So it's all good. Good for you, um, you man. But yeah. yeah. No, I like that book. I love these I, the ideas where you can find a place where you could bend some history or... Yeah take something and twist it that is common i had that's a, kind of my theme like i that's yeah. kind of what i like i take something from real life and just mm-hmm. imagine it a different way imagine it happening a different way or in this case with bastards taking an actual historical timeline and not changing that like all mm-hmm. the dates and bastards line up but i'm just in, including a character that i'm not even calling her fictional it's just she's not in any of our history books maybe someone like that actually survived and we don't know or not survived but actually existed and and we don't know about it yeah you never know i it it, these are wildly different concepts but it kind of reminds me there's a a friend i had uh, a long time ago he had a a script i i never got to read but he told me because he was we're not till it's done and then i never didn't know him when it was done but it was called a great great title i'm not I'm not a religious person, but this was a cool concept, but it was called The Final Testament, and it was about, uh, there was a space exploration or something, maybe on the moon or something, and when they're there, they they find on the surface or buried like a, a book, and it's like the continuation of the Old Testament, New Testament, the Bible, mm. and there's another book, and it's like, what the hell is this? And it's, but because it, it came, it was in outer space. And, like, and it fits the writing styles and all that stuff fits with the the original like and it's like where did this come from with and, and that was all he sold me I'm like that kind of sounds really interesting yeah but nay but have you heard of uh, this won't sidetrack us too much have you heard of the author Christopher Moore um, maybe it's just because that name's kind of common sounding but yeah. I, I don't he he's awesome he has a book. Uh, that really inspired my style. I, I, I think I read it after I wrote Bastards, or at least had, had read it after mm-hmm. I started re- writing Bastards. But someone recommended them to me because they said, like, you probably, based on Pigeon and Bender at the Bump Parisian, my, my, my first two novels, they're they like, based on that, you'd probably really enjoy Chris, Christopher Moore. And so his book that what you just reminded me of is it's the, it's the 2000th, year the anniversary of jesus's birth mm-hmm. so like god wants to do something special so he brings back to life jesus's best friend to to finally and he's only bringing him back to life for a little bit to have him write the last another chapter of the bible an mm-hmm. anniversary mm-hmm. chapter of the bible <laughs> bonus the, feature a bonus feature right but um the reason they didn't ask him to write it in the first place was that he's just a huge jerk. Oh. And he's like that friend at a party that like everyone's like where he's entertaining, he's entertaining but he's not like a good guy. Right. You know, like everybody has that friend who's just like a jerk but we love him anyway but ah oh, he's a jerk. So this guy like the, the book is hilarious cuz it's him writing his experience as Jesus's like childhood friend mm-hmm. who Jesus outgrows 
but like he's there anyway because they have the foundation and none of the other disciples like him. Uh, but you know, but then the other half of the book is him now on earth, 2000 years later, uh, like experiencing it's like they have him hold up in a motel outside St. Louis, like with an angel just to write the stuff. And then they'll, they'll kill him again. <laughs> like it, it was, it's really funny. It's really funny. Anyway, I recommend that book. That's my book recommendation for the day until mine comes out. It's called, uh, it's by Christopher Moore and it's called lamb. It's good. Lamb. Okay. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, you know, I just realized only you, you and Quentin Tarantino can use the phrase when I was writing bastards. I, yeah, you're right. There you go. You're right. And I do love his version. We spell it differently. There. I do love his version. I do uh, too. But but yeah. Anyway. All right. So speaking of bastards, we can get to almost heroes. Men, we're about to embark on an unprecedented adventure to the great northwest. Now get in the boat. It's a journey through uncharted wilderness. Oh, oh. Tell the men what they might expect to encounter. Once there was a hawk. Pluck ah. ah. the man's eyeballs out of his sockets. Fear will be our breakfast. Don't take her. Take me instead. Put your hands on your hips. No, I think I'll still keep the woman. It's an undertaking of epic proportion. Ah. 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 I'm a haircut and a shave. By the way, uh, you smell like something that's been passed through the system of a sick old woman. Maybe I'll have a bath too then. It's the first great American road trip. You are surrounded by an army of Indian braves. They got names like Sore Eagle and others too. Maybe if we wait a couple hours, they'll die of old age. <laughs> They're almost famous. I'd love to have you alone for just two minutes. Ah, my hair is getting to you, isn't it? They're almost legends. I hope Satan himself burns the flesh from your miserable bones. Chris Farley. Good God, lady. Matthew Perry. Great things are in store for us. They're almost, and this is for your own good, heroes. They're headed this way! Blazing a trail to a theater near you. Now this should dull your senses. Directed by Christopher Guest, uh, written by Mark Nutter, Thomas R. Wolfe, and Boyd Hale, starring Chris Farley, Matthew Perry, Bokeem Woodbine, Eugene Levy, Louis Arquette, Lisa Barbuscia and Kevin Dunn. It's about two bumbling, bumbling explorers hoping to beat Lewis and Clark to the Pacific Ocean as they race across America's western frontier in the early 1800s. So, theme here today, throwing things into history, having some fun, changing around with what they know. So, this is one you brought and wanted to do, and I think you were like, oh, you know, it's a stupid movie that I like, and I was like, hey, I like that movie too. So... Here well, we are. This first disclaimer for your two regulars. If you haven't seen this movie, don't let the impressive cast list fool you. It's <laughs> not great. <laughs> like, like, don't hear the names Christopher Guest, Eugene Levy, <laughs> Chris Farley, and think like, what? You know, uh, but um, 
But through the years, I have noticed with this that there is like a secret society of people who quote this willy nilly. Yeah. For instance, years ago, I, I don't remember. Is your show clean or not? Because yes, it it's, it's it's explicit, explicit. Okay. Explicit. I, I usually don't do a lot of cussing, but I'm about to, I'm right. about to quote the show. Uh, like case in point, I was on a road trip for work years ago, way before kids, way before marriage, way before even my current like mm-hmm. career trajectory. We were on a road trip across America with this, uh, with this guy who was my friend. And at one point he tells the, it was me. I ate the sheep shit story. <laughs> no <laughs> way. I was, like, I was like, dude, I was like, what? I, like, like nobody knows that movie. Um, and he was one of those guys who's just like, he's super funny person and king of movie quotes. A different time, I was, this is when I, I'm like, I was playing bass in my dad's band at church. And the woman who played drums, she was not quite my parents' age, but she was much older than me. I mean, she was an adult. I, I was a kid. This movie came out when I was 18. So this was probably like. It was 1998. Yeah. I'm, I'm in my early 20s or something. Mm-hmm. I'm playing bass. And we were talking about stuff and I played, played a, a riff and she goes, she says out of nowhere, she goes, uh, play that haunting air. You played me this morning. And I was like, I was like, did, did you just quote almost heroes? <laughs> and, and she wow. was like, it's the best movie ever. And, and like for someone who was in her, like probably upper forties and I'm in my twenties, I was like, I was like, I can't believe that just happened. You know? Right, yeah. Like that was amazing. But here I am in my early 40s quoting it often. So I, uh, I can't complain. But no, I think it's one of those movies that I think it's a joy to watch. Chris Farley's last one. And uh, that's sort of depressing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But I'm amazed, truly, that it it hasn't, it, it's not more memorable. Well, uh, I, I, like, I, so I remember... Like did not, you see it in the theater? Let me ask you. Do you see? I it? I I saw. It, I rented it on VHS when it came out, okay. and I remember just seeing this being like, oh, this. It reminded me of what was like John Candy's last movie, Wagons East, mm-hmm. where I was like, oh, that's that was it. That was the one I know. Uh, with him and Richard Lewis, and I felt like this was that situation all over again. And I rented it with no, like no expectations other than I I want to see it. It's Chris Farley's last leading role. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it. Like I was like, this oh. is way better than what I would have been led to. Like the reviews for this were garbage um, when it came out. I think it still sits at like a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But like I was like, this is actually it's nothing great, but it's pretty f- funny. Enjoy it. Doesn't it's like a swift ninety minutes, and it's if you like Chris Farley doing his thing, this movie. It has some gems and he really does carry it. I think a lot of the goodwill oh, yeah. in this movie is Farley. Oh, yeah. Um but I you know, I and I haven't seen this movie since probably around the time it came out and I was like, Oh, I hope this is it. like young Brandon enjoyed it and old and I enjoyed it again here. Like this is a harmless little little movie. It's probably like yeah. a two and a half, maybe three if I'm kind out of five. It's not like spectacular but man it didn't deserve the thrashing i mean if i'm being honest when i picture what it looks like on the page Mm -hmm. 
it's solid. I mean, it really yeah. is. Like the gags are good. Mm-hmm. There are, I mean, just like I kind of alluded to, there are so many quotable lines. I mean, truly. And and I was thinking about this when I was rewatching it before this. Like, there are several characters, there are several roles that could have been legendary. I mean, Eugene Levy, uh, the guy who plays. Well, Eugene Levy plays Guy Fontenot, mm-hmm. the guy who plays Hieronymus Pratt, the guy who's like, Bidwell, Bidwell, can you yes. hear me? Like that old crusty guy, like obviously the sheep shit story guy, the guy who plays Hidalgo, uh, the guy who plays Bidwell himself. Like those are all the kind of roles I feel like that if you're somebody in Hollywood, you get that and you're like, you're like, I'm going to be in a cult classic. Like, you know what this is? This is dodgeball. Like this is the kind of like yes. comedic troupe that you do dodge the dodgeball did. Yes. Where it's like we've got our main, you know, straight man, mm-hmm. comic guy, a, a crazy uh, antagonist like character, and these weird group of people together that you're gonna get chances to knock them dead. You know, let take it, take your line and run with it, and they actually kind of give them well-rounded little arcs of each guy. Mm -hmm. And now I know this movie got cut up after Farley died to be very Chris Farley focused. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, it was supposed to be more ensemble-ish than it is, but it still works that way. I agree. I've got a hot take that may not be that hot a take. Okay. I think I say this with peace and love Mm -hmm. with peace and love, peace and love. I think Matthew Perry was mis was miscast. Oh no, one hundred percent. It was so this role they wanted. Uh, what's his name? House uh, Hugh Laurie. Oh, the 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 financiers, the studio said, "Who? We don't. We need somebody better than that." Uh, Young, looking, popular. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, they. Bill Murray said no, and Hugh Grant. Said, uh, got close, but ended up turning him down. And then Matthew Perry. And if you look at Matthew Perry, he's like doing a Hugh Grant in person. Like, this is like you could easily see Hugh Grant here. And it's almost like they're telling Matthew Perry, be like Hugh Grant, be like Hugh Grant, because it's very not Matthew Perry. I just feel like, but it's it's a lot of Hugh Grant's humor Mm -hmm. as told through Matthew Perry. Yeah. And I do think Matthew Perry is willing to go to comedic places that Hugh Grant probably wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. But like, I also look at this through the eyes of where Matthew Perry was in his career. Like 98 was from everything I've, I've read. I I'm sort of a closet friends expert just cause I, I grew up in we, the yeah, age we know of, it. Yeah. of friends, you know, and, mm-hmm. and like the girls I dated in high school loved friends. So I never missed an episode, that kind of stuff. And uh, like, this was a dark time for Matthew Perry. This was like in the heart of like prescription drug addiction, mm-hmm. I believe, you know, like, so I don't know how super stable he would have been, but it's like the easy other thing to imagine is like put David Spade in there and oh, where Matthew God, Perry yeah. is. And next thing you know, this thing is like ends the, the, the Tommy boy black sheep trilogy, you know, like this becomes something totally different. And I can see why a studio would want someone like a Hugh Grant, you know, mm-hmm. like bigger than David Spade. But um, the when it really came down to it, I just like, 
there was like zero Matthew Perry, Chris Farley chemistry. And I think that's sort of the crux of the problem. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Matthew Perry, it's not like he gives like a bad performance. It's just not like, it just doesn't feel like it fits with Matthew or with Chris Farley. Like you don't imagine that they called cut and those two guys ran off to a local bar to have fun. Like you just don't picture that. I think you know? Perry sticks to the script more and Farley is allowed to go to town. And I don't think, yeah. That might be one of Matthew Perry's. He likes twisting the lines on the page rather than using them as a guideline and doing his thing. I think right. I, I don't know that, but uh, yeah, that that's true. Um, it's it, yeah, it's interesting. Who would have been here? Like Matthew Perry. This is when they're like, okay, what are we gonna do with these friends people? Who are gonna make movie yeah. stars? Right. Ma- Matthew Perry will break out bigger with whole nine yards a couple years after this. But at this time, they were pushing what LeBlanc was supposed to... Like, he had Lost in Space and that monkey baseball movie. And they were pushing him and Aniston. They were going to be the big ones. Uh, Well, Jennifer Aniston proved uh, over time that she was the big one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, and they were put. I mean, Schwimmer had some stuff. But, like, Schwimmer was more interested in production stuff. Little did we know. Rather, He was using acting gigs to learn more about production things. Yeah. yeah, Lisa Kudrow was she had Romeo Michelle and then she was in the Analyze This uh movies, but this is when they were like, Okay, when you're not filming friends, we need you to become like movie stars and mm-hmm. uh and like who's gonna be the first and that's funny because Courtney Cox was already doing movie stuff before she, 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 was she had the, the movie star. She had yeah. scream movies uh during this yeah. time as well. But yeah, it's this is one of Perry's first like jump of God. He had that one where was it like he was after some girl, but he like he posed as being a gay guy? Something three to tango. Oh yeah, yeah. That oh, was one yeah. of his early ones, but yeah, this yeah he he need you need a straight man here for sure, but he's okay. I don't know maybe a little too straight and not quite hitting the humor that his character needs to like it it hits in some spots, but. Oh, there are good spots. There's no doubt there are good spots. But uh, I I have this, maybe it's another hot take theory, but I think Matthew Perry hit more because he was a charismatic, funny person. Less of what Farley was, what most of the SNL folks like are by, by design, less of like, I can... I can take something and make it funny by what I'm doing. Like people who had stand-up comedy experience certainly like kind of like know that of like, I know how to, how to be funny the way, or I know how to make something funny because it's me. I know how to take some, like nothing and write something funny on a page. Like that kind of creation never struck me as where Matthew Perry's coming from. So he's doing a lot of stuff here. Like when he's looking in a telescope, at Hidalgo's woman. <laughs> oh yeah, like, that's yeah, that's what like, it was best seeds. Basically Chandler Bing though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, and and like he knows how to do things his way. He knows how to read off the page, but he doesn't know how to play with it the way far away right. does. He, he, like the way most of these guys do. Yeah. Like Eugene Levy is awesome in this right. movie. He's awesome in everything. But you're like, you know that this guy has fun. Yeah. You know, I mean uh Matthew Perry's in the probably the John Cusack mold where you need to Put Matthew Perry in there and let Matthew Perry, Matthew Perry, the thing. Right. Um, yeah. Like, it's not that they don't have range, but when they are themselves, 
that range is incredible. When it's, you know, you put like, I want Matthew Perry to go all Matthew Perry on this role. And it's usually yeah. got to be in present time and, you know, that kind of comedy, uh, things yeah. like that. But, um, yeah, he, here is a period, even a comedy. Yeah. Not as, not as strong suit, but I mean, it doesn't, ha- I don't think it hampers the movie. Um, nonetheless, I think well, it still, still goes. Well, and now it's like, part of me is almost glad. I know this is going to contradict everything I just said about my hot take about Matthew Perry, which turns out a hot off. take on my hot take. Right. But it's like, now I'm kind of glad it was Matthew Perry. Yeah. Because like we said, he doesn't like do a bad job. It's just like the chemistry is not like perfect. Uh, but now it like, in retrospect, it makes it a Farley movie. Right. Well, no. the one thing I'll give it is he never gives in to all the comedy going around him. He knows to stay straight the whole time. Whereas right. a lot of people yeah. will yeah. not give the floor or, oh, well, you're being funny. Like the the whole Batman Forever, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Jim Carrey. And Tommy Lee Jones decides, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to amp it. It's like, that's not Two-Face, man. Like you're, right, it's not what the role needs. He, he's it's, sitting there yeah. getting amped up by Jim Carrey rather than holding firm as uh, whose yeah. character is. So I, not really understanding his part in yeah. that. So that's that's kind of the where it could go. But he, Matthew Perry, plays his character as his character, even though him and Farley aren't really in the same movies, per se. But yeah, they... Right. Yeah, Farley knows how to play with him. I I think he's I don't know. It's interesting, Farley. Like, yeah, I I don't. I feel like this would be these guys' only adventure at the end, rather than starting more. Oh yeah, like you know, it's yeah. like all right, well. Well, I I have a little acting experience. Like in college, for a hot second, I was an acting major, and I really enjoyed it. I think that's that's a reason why I did it for like a, I think two semesters or something, mm-hmm. but um. I've been on both sides of that before. There have been times when I've really stepped outside my comfort zone when I shouldn't have tried to take a character somewhere that I didn't, that it didn't need to go, but strictly because someone that I was on stage with was delivering just like the highest energy, greatest interpretation of a character. And it inspires you to try something. And it's mm-hmm. so hard, like you said with the Tommy Lee Jones example, so hard to resist that pressure when yeah. you're in a room with Jim Carrey. Like, I mean, the, a quintessential example of the right way doing it is Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Like, when you hear them talk about their relationship, uh, Jeff Daniels just like, I could never be Jim Carrey. I didn't want to be. Yeah. I just like... I just like got there in my hairy outfit and I opened the door and let Jim walk through and I just followed him through, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's really hard to do as an actor, like, like stake your claim to who your character is and then not let yourself get so easy to be on stage and, and be energized by someone else's performance and let, and then that accidentally makes you do too much with your own. I, I I'm proud to say, I think I was on the other end of it once or twice. And that's yeah. like always a good feeling when you feel like you're like steering the boat, you know, but, um, but it doesn't make the the performance or the, the movie or the play or whatever. It doesn't make it better. If you're, if like you're an actor that is, is so being driven by the energy of someone else's performance, you know? Yeah. So I, I give it to Matthew Perry here. Like, yeah, he does not, 
he does not, it does not feel like that he is trying to do too much with his role because mm-hmm. of Chris Farley, which would be so easy to do. The guy's like an explosion on screen, you know, in the best way possible. So for that, I will say, uh, you know, and I've got nothing but like love and respect for Matthew Perry. I just, I feel like the reason the movie didn't get big was just because those guys don't go together. <laughs> like, you know, oh, yeah. like no one, no one pictures them in the same, well, in the and, same mode. And the straight man thing, I mean, Bud Abbott is a legend for a reason. It's not because we were laughing at his crazy annex. It was the way he yes. sat there with Costello and was able to maintain and pull those yep. things along. Yeah. Um, yeah, the humor in this one, um, apparently Steve Odekirk uh, helped with the script early on. Interesting. Uh, and he was a guy who did a lot of writing for Jim Carrey early on, which we were mentioning then, just okay. now. Uh, but I love one of his movies called Kung Pao Enter the Fist. If you ever saw that one. Yeah. Where uh, he, he inserted himself into a, a kung fu movie, a couple kung fu movies he edited and like redubbed everything and added some CG effects here and there. Interesting. Okay. It's, it's pretty funny. And then he also did those Thumb Wars or Thumb movies like Thumb Tannic, Thumb Wars, where he would have be like Star those. Wars as played by yes, the Thumb and they talk I remember those. That's what yeah. that's what he was from. But he had he had touched this early on. He's not credited at all, but apparently in the first earlier iterations he was he was involved. And of course Christopher Guest um, which the producer of this said, he goes, well, I guess I get to go down as making Christopher Guest's worst film. Um, but he, he was between uh, Waiting for Guffman and Best in Show for this. So this was in between those. Wow. Kind of kind of interesting. What a departure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Before that's, you know, he did Waiting for Guffman, and he's like, oh, I'll do a traditional thing, and then go right back to just making fake documentaries, which so- bread and butter. Yeah. So let me, I'm, I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. Okay. I'm going to have some fun with it here. Let's say ring, ring, Brandon Peters phone rings and you look down and the caller ID says Warner brothers pictures. Okay. And, and you're like, Oh God, these guys, they're always calling me. Uh, whatever. <laughs> so you, WB, you answer, why bother? Okay. Right. <laughs> and so you answer and you're like, what? And they're like, Hey, Remember the movie Almost Heroes? And you're like, yeah. They're like, well, we love your podcast. We love everything you do. We've decided to give you a shot. Can you re- cast the remake for us and make the movie? Oh, geez. So, yeah. So we'll start simple. And maybe not so simple, but we have two leading men. We have, you know, uh, we have Leslie Edwards. We have Bartholomew. What is it? Bartholomew Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who do we put modern day in there? You can't choose from all time. This is happening today. Today, oh, who's our big physical like physical comedian? I know are not. It's not like it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, go ahead. You know what you could you could do the easy thing of the the gender swap. Oh, and you could you okay. could do it with Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy. Easy. That's, oh, that's an easy yeah. answer. You, right that there. is a good easy answer. Yeah. Uh, for the if I was to do it with males again, I, mm, 
I would do. There, yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. I'm still thinking. I've got one. I, mean, I need the other. Was a, it's not. It's a different like age demographic. Mm-hmm. But if you could find a way to pull Wolf, Will Ferrell, John C. Riley into those somehow. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you could probably you could have something. Yeah, uh, you could. I, I was thinking young, a little younger. Uh, right, right. That's why I was like, the age is a little different. I. Uh, mm, so for the for the Edwards role, mm-hmm. the Matthew Perry one, I, I'm thinking Zach Efron. That's exactly what I was about to right. say. There we go. No, so seriously, he, Zach yeah, Efron. He's really good at comedy. Like I don't think mm-hmm. people realize he's really good at like straight man with a yes. little bit of crazy comedy. Yeah. Um you have Danny, you just Danny McBride. Danny McBride yeah. could play the Christopher Chris Farley role in his own way. Uh-huh. Um Danny McBride is an A plus pull. I feel yeah. like that one yeah. would be. Yeah. There we go. Danny McBride, Zach Efron, almost heroes remake. That's pretty good. There we go. Um and now we don't have to go just through every side character, but okay. uh I mean Fontenot, you know, the Eugene Levy character mm-hmm. feels like an obvious grab for someone solid who wants to try a French accent out. <laughs> You know, I mean, mm. I don't have anybody in mind, but it's like, you know, yeah, hmm. you, you could have somebody in there. I mean, you could almost go someone a little older there with like, you feel like Paul Rudd would have so much fun with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like going overboard there. This is true. I, mean, I feel like Paul Rudd's like sort of hot right now. So you could also give him like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that that always occurs to me with these with these movies that um, I mean, Warner Brothers hasn't even updated this. It's only available in standard definition. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like there there's no HD version. It's like like if some someone like us who was like a high school kid in the 90s and just like from that era of Chris Farley love and comedy is a movie exec now says you know what is a hidden sleeper gem of a script like what could we redo here you know it's like you've got to feel like somebody out there could could probably convince you know what we could do right the second time around right exactly exactly so yeah. i like to think about that kind of stuff no i get you i get you yeah that's interesting uh, hidalgo i would i would 100 michael pena for uh oh yeah okay so, a Hollywood around. story, a Hollywood story, if I may. Michael Pena was in a rock band uh, that I shared, that my rock band shared a rehearsal studio with. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So every time we'd go, like we'd work it out with the other band, when are you going to be in the studio? Okay. And we'd find out whenever they were going to be there and we'd schedule our time in there. Like, and the nice thing is you didn't ever have to pack up your stuff and move it. You could just leave it under lock and key in the studio. So every time we went to go practice, which was like probably five times a week or something, you'd show up. And at that point, the only thing Michael Pena had really done was uh, he was in Crash. Yeah, yeah, because that was his breakout, right? Yeah. When I first moved out there, Crash was getting all like it had just started like it's uh, like small city or 
couple limited city screening in LA, like I think the week I moved there open, everybody wouldn't shut the fuck up about crash. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So they all loved crash. it till it won an Oscar. Just, I'm just, and now it's like the most like racist movie now, like all sorts of like crap, I people would I, not stop I talking think about I it. I saw the whole thing. I don't even remember now. I uh, worked on the DVD for it. Well, it was one because we had Lionsgate as one of my clients. So we were, uh, we were actually happy at my work when it won Best Picture because it's like, holy shit, the little yeah. studio fucking did it. And now that movie is reviled beyond wow. belief. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have not seen it recently. Maybe it's worth a revisit. But yeah, when I had met Michael Pena, he was right off Crash and, and like we didn't really, really know each other. He was the drummer in that band. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't think he stayed in that band for very long. Um, what was that band called? That band was called, yeah, I got it, Nico Vega. That's okay. not someone's name. That was the name of the band, Nico Vega. And they uh, they got signed to MySpace Records. Oh. And that was a thing. That was a thing, yeah. But they also didn't, I don't think he stayed with them very long. Like I don't think he was with them by the time they got signed. But friendly guy, and uh, and I always thought that if I called him up, I called him up, I could be like, "Hey, man, you know, I was in the Bowdukes, you were in Nico Vega. Why don't you play Hidalgo in the reboot of my <laughs> night movie from 1998?" <laughs> Almost heroes. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, because he was like one of the posters for Crash too. The oh yeah. Was like. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. He's like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, this is breakout, man. That's crazy. So let me ask you this about Almost Heroes to bring it back there. I have not never done my research on the movie. Do you know what, like, how Farley's death? Because right, he died before they were done filming. I think. No, no, no. They were finished with it. It got. Oh, I didn't know. So okay. it was supposed to come out in 1997, and then mm. uh, there was a studio merger between the Turner company that made this and Warner Brothers. Mm. So Warner Brothers soaked it up and pushed the release of it to 1998. In the time that happened, Chris Farley died. Mm. And so that's, and then they recut the film after he died to focus more to him. So they cut, they cut uh, as much like a lot of the supporting characters roles. And then some of Matthew Perry's like, um, Parker Posey was in this movie she, uh, at the beginning. She, she played Matthew Perry's uh, sweetheart at the beginning of the movie that he leaves to go on the journey. Um, mm-hmm. And that was cut, which makes sense. Parker Posey's in all Christopher Guest movies, so right. makes sense you throw her here. She's um, amazing, though. <laughs> like, yeah. That's a, that's, yeah now and, I want to see the Christopher Guest cut. Well, and it's funny, too, because at the time, she was a hot item. They didn't. I don't think Hollywood really knew much to do with her. But her name was popping up because she was in a lot of indie. She was like the girl that was in all the indie films that you saw. And there was like articles about her. And like she was known like because, yeah, like who's this girl who's always it? She's in like multiple films at Sundance every year. Why isn't she in bigger movies? And then, you know, she'd wind up being in bigger movies later on, but nothing. I mean, Scream 3 she was in and she was the best part of Scream 3. She got Superman Returns. Like they started trying to. Fit her oh, into things. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but Superman Returns feels like it was at the end of her streak. Yeah. Yeah. That um, was like, oh, here and then nobody cared about Superman. But she's she's always a remarkable role in the Christopher Guest guest movies, a mighty oh, yeah. win, best in show, like that kind of stuff. She's like she's always stand out, in my opinion. 
Oh yeah, no, I love Parker Posey. She's uh, like, if if there's someone who hasn't been in enough stuff, I mean, she's in a lot of stuff, but should have had, she should have been like an A-lister big time, like all the time, like 100%. And she's still around. She just did that Lost in Space TV show. Um, She's still doing things. Um, But But she was cut from Almost Heroes. Yeah. And apparently they reshot the ending a bit. And yeah. uh, Bokeem Woodbine wasn't available for the ending uh, that they is in the film, so he disappears. Huh. Uh, in this movie uh, and doesn't show up at the end, but um, he wasn't available to come back, and wow. so that ending had to be reshot. Um, but yeah, no. It uh, they also uh, upon release, Siskel and Ebert were blocked from reviewing this movie. <laughs> uh, Why? Uh, this and Dirty Work. Uh, Dirty Work's his last. Uh, screen appearance. Uh, he's got a supporting role in that, and that came out a couple months after this. But um, uh, Sis- uh, Siskel was notably very nasty about Chris Farley's movies, huh. and the family and studio felt it best if he just sit this one the fuck out. So they blocked Ebert as well, huh. so it wouldn't even come up on their show. Wow. This and uh, Dirty Work. And that's probably part two of why this movie probably doesn't have a good reputation. Like, we love Tommy Boy and and that stuff back then, but right. th- it was and like the Sandler movies were not the the adults didn't understand at the time basically, yeah. Yeah. and the kids were going to the movies and making them hits and these people stars and we wanted to see them, and it was kind of a generational, and so well, Tommy Boy is a stone cold classic, uh, right. but which I showed to my children recently <laughs> and they did not. It's weird because they're like. Were we supposed to laugh because he's fat? That's kind of mean. We're like, oh my gosh, we are. That's that's true, but the the guy played into it. He lived for that. Well, my wife just rewatched Billy Madison for Mm -hmm. some reason. I have no clue why. Maybe she was just channel surfing his honor or whatever. But she was like, I have not seen that movie in 20 years. And oh my God, uh, you know, Adam Sandler goes, full like handicapped person yeah like it's not like it is not just oh i'm gonna be a funny dumb guy it is like you you get you start to she's like you start to squirm he's like making fun of really less capable people yeah like this like the but to your point those like when we were all in high school that 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 run of Saturday Night Live cast, mm-hmm. you know, the your Adam Sandler's, your Chris Farley's, Mike Myers, Spade, yeah, Mike Myers, like those guys were gods. Yeah, you know, like for me, I mean, like mm-hmm. like Wayne's World, I think came out when I was in fifth grade, so that was a little before that. That Wayne's Chris World was Farley, like one of my favorite like comedies ever, too. I, mean, I was like, oh my gosh. When I saw that, I thought it was, I literally thought it was the funniest thing anyone had ever created. Since oh, yeah. Time. I mean, I yep. was, I, I was 10 and I was just like, this is it. This is the peak. It will never get better. Mike Myers is a genius. Yeah, no. I know. Uh, Dana Carvey, man. But yeah, there was a, like that late 80s, to, like even like early 2000s was like just stone cold great cast for Saturday Night Live. And even like, I, I've always been a long time Saturday Night Live. What I still watch Saturday Night Live. And it's just funny to always hear the same shit said about it every time. There's like, oh, like, because when the time we're talking about, well, it was better when it was Aykroyd and, and uh, Murray and, 
and Chevy and all that. It was it was better then. And then oh no, it, it was it was better when it was Mike Myers and Kevin Nealon and Sandler. Right. Oh no no oh no, it was better when it was Will Ferrell and and during those times they were saying the others were better. So. It's a generational thing, and it's aimed at younger kids. It's newer comedy coming up that we're not used to yet. And there are lulls. There are times where it's not the greatest, but, I mean, as long as a couple sketches hit for me, that's great. Like, they didn't all hit back then. It wasn't gems every time. They they boned out on a few. And it's funny, when I went uh, my senior year of high school, and uh, this is all relevant because Chris Farley was a member of Saturday Night Live. Eugene Levy was a member of SCTV, which was a Canadian version of... Saturday Night Live, so we're all relevant here. Um, and we went to the NBC Studios. Uh, this was your summer of 2000. Took a tour of 30 Rock, and they they showed us a picture before the studio to enter the studio of Saturday Night Live. There's a big frame picture of the original cast and a big frame picture of the current cast. And they're like, the woman goes, so, easy question, which one's the highest rated, higher rated cast of these two? And everybody's like, oh, the original one. They're like, nope, current one, way higher. Like the ratings are like double. Like everybody's like, what? Yeah. And they're like, it's a misnomer that everybody liked the original the best. Oh, but they weren't watching it. They're watching this one though. So that's always a. Well, you know, one. I know this isn't about SNL, so I, I won't go full. SNL here, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I did see an interesting interview that if you look it up, it's um, Howard Stern asking David Spade and Dana Carvey uh, to to do their their dream SNL cast in only five people mm-hmm. from all eras. And the, the interesting thing about it was they said, well, they were like, we know Lauren personally, we know his style. Lauren picks types. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to put all all impressionists in right. one cast right? mm-hmm. like your bill haters your dana carvey's are there because they do the voices and they do the impressions like he doesn't want a cast full of bill haters and dana carvey's he wants one bill hater dana bill hater dana carvey well you have he to have your sudakis guys that are well, the lead males and everything yeah right you've got your like dan Aykroyd, jason sudakis guys who have who are like good looking nice hairs like sort of geniuses with comedy You've got your Bill Murray, Will Ferrell guys who are like the goofball type, but like always deliver. You've got your John Belushi, your Chris Farley guy, who's mm-hmm. like the like the heavy goofball guy. Uh, but um, they all sort of agreed that Farley, you know, was was sort of an entity of his own. Like they, they Dana Carvey tells this funny story about how he's sitting next to Chris Farley at a uh, at some reunion that they all did and they're watching a John Belushi clip. And of course, John Belushi, John Candy, these guys are like Chris Farley's mm-hmm. idols. Yeah. But Dana was like, I leaned over to him. And I kind of was like, you realize that he's like, I think you're better than these guys. He's like, I think he's like, I think you really nailed it. Like you own it in a different way. You bring a different character to different things. <laughs> and, uh, and so knowing that, that some of his peers sort of thought that way about him, and when you go back and see pictures, like, uh, not pictures, when you see clips of him socially, like it's been going around online lately when uh, Cindy Crawford had dinner with David Spade, Chris Farley, and Adam Sandler. Have you seen mm-hmm. that? Mm-mm. It, it's funny because it's it's just the four of them out getting interviewed by Cindy Crawford. Yeah. And they're just themselves. And it becomes obvious that Chris Farley is like a black hole of comedic energy. 
Yeah. Like everything like he's at the center of it. He's like, his brain is working so fast. Maybe it's because of a substance, not sure, but his brain is working so fast and is working like over time, like that he almost can't keep up with his quips, his one-liners. He's like a Robin Williams a little bit in that sense. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Low, you know, uh, but like he, but like David Spade and Adam Sandler, like could barely breathe. They're laughing so hard, you know, like Cindy Crawford, is highly entertained. Like it was this thing where now when I see a role, like something like almost heroes, like you're kind of like, I absolutely see how this guy took a script just to bring it all the way back to where we're talking about almost mm-hmm. heroes. Yeah. Like you can see where this guy took a script and, and just said like, I, I understand the assignment and I'm like, I'm going all in. You know? <laughs> and and everyone we're about to do a take, be prepared. Right. And you, you, if you watch the movie with that mindset, it's mm-hmm. just like, this must've been so fun to be on screen for, or to be on a set for. It's so fun now to watch it and see this guy doing his thing. Right. So well, I think I, that's why I'm attracted to the movie. Right. No. And I love like going through some of the things I love about him in this movie is like the open right from the opening when he's like oh, no, no, this woman comes and accosts him like horrifically about like what she wants him to like burn in hell. He's like, Christ lady, there's a yeah, like, way to yeah. switch it off and, exactly. and sell it. And uh, yeah. when he gets hung, right before he gets hung, and he's like, I want you to all da 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 kiss my buttocks. I know. I know. And, I know. and then he's just hanging, like, oh, God, oh. like it, it, it's great. Yeah. Um, when he tastes the whiskey, when, yeah. when Aaron Burr like gives him the whiskey bottle and he's like, I'm not talking about getting blind drunk, man. I'm just saying a taste. And Chris Farley's like, then a taste it shall be. And he takes the drink and you see him, you know, do the whole like, and then he grabs the bottle and he's like, get your own damn bottle. It's like, so good. And he's like, uh, when when Matthew Perry's like, I'm going to take the men in for a drink. You're going to go over there and do that because we know how you are. And And it's just his face is like, Ah, yeah. Yeah, he's like, right. yes, we do you yes, know how I like, get. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he's teaching him the alphabet, he's like, A, he's like lowercase A. He's like, oh, true. Oh, yeah. Like, it, like, it's brilliant. <laughs> no more for today. Just, and I'll t- like, my, the thing I always remember from this movie, and one of my favorite things, I died laughing when I first saw it is when he has to go on the quest to find the bird's egg. So and, and I was waiting for us to get to this part because the eagle's egg is by far yeah. the, the pinnacle moment of Chris Farley right. in this movie. It is. It is. It is so good. Yeah, yeah. getting the eagle egg is he it. He climbs yeah. up the tree and he gets to the nest and the eagle that the makes the sound and his reaction, his face is... And I love that... Not only he has to do this multiple times, they use the same sound and the same video clip, even when he finds it in a different area. It's genius. I know. That that is Christopher Guest rearing his head because that, like what you're talking about, the sound clip and the repeated just visual. It's the same visual of the eagle. It's the same. It does not get better than that. And, <laughs> and then when he gets back and she's like, oh, I just needed the shell. Yeah. Because he, he tempted him. Like he ate one of the eggs because he was too hungry. 
I had to get another like oh it that sequence it's hilarious like what that asshole is... was sitting through this movie and go okay it's got that scene that cracked me the fuck up this ain't right. that bad like yeah what I ah, yeah humor's different for everybody and I just I don't know these weren't the these weren't the kind of movies that they that critically were enjoying back then like. Right. Uh, like Jim Carrey was a bit wild for them. Uh, you know, yeah. it was a whole nother, like comedy was changing a bit uh, for its times. And it's usually not as well. Like the audience is going to get it first before any person currently writing understands what right. what the humor is. And, you know, Far- Farley's there. They, they didn't like those frat boys coming out of, out of the SNL. Like Sandler was reviled, at, like still I'm like Sandler's a nice. He just makes his movies. And he's got fans. Yeah. Like, yeah, and he's a nice guy. Like, let him fucking. He's a good guy, and I I would say, I would say he's reviled in certain circles, but I mean he's still like he's got his deal with Netflix. Like mm-hmm. he's not. It's and not his like his movies shot. are of their most watched movies. Are they really? Uh, yeah. You know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's Adam Sandler. I'm serious. I I know that he stopped. He steered away from the Billy Madisons, the Happy Gilmores, which are all like our favorites. Mm-hmm. But he, when you look at something like Just Go with It, mm-hmm. which is your run of the mill, you right. know, thing. But when you look at it on the page, like when you take everything away and you imagine the script, you're like, this is clever. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I understand where and the same with murder mystery. And I understand they're about they're like making the sequel to murder mystery right now. Um like I, I'm here for it. Like I um I did meet him one other time also, and he's just like you said, he's a guy who leaves a good impression that he's a regular guy, he's doing his thing, and sure he's a little crazy sometimes. My grandpa didn't like Happy Gilmore. Whatever. <laughs> it wasn't for my grandpa, you know. So, yeah. Uh, no. It, yeah. Well, Happy Gilmore is the one that convinced my dad. Like, okay, maybe this guy. Maybe this no. guy is pretty funny. So he would see his his other movies as well. But yeah, these SNL guys. Uh, this movie, like, it it's got the Farley stuff you want. Like, I I don't it know does. what else to say. Like, it does. um, it's got funny stuff on its like the the straw sex dolls that are in this movie. Like, that's some funny stuff. I, and and if I may, the we were talking about Hakeem Woodbine. One of the most quotable lines I feel like is his when Matthew Perry is like is whining about his bath not being hot enough out in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and Hakeem Woodbine goes, "I just finished washing my privates in the icy river." Like, yes. Matthew Perry doesn't even acknowledge it. He goes, hmm, "I think I'll wear my cream-colored robe tonight, right. or whatever." You know, it's like yes. like. Uh, Hakeem Woodbine has like has like several of those lines in this movie. So like I like Hakeem Woodbine, who's so either cool. a time traveler or a vampire, because he looks right. in this movie like he does now. Right, exactly. The guy has not aged one bit. Um, but uh, no, that's so. I know we're getting to time here, so I'm just gonna say, if you're listening to this, Almost Heroes, it will be a will be a totally guilt-free evening of fine entertainment for you mm-hmm. and uh and historical watch fun historical fun then of course on april 5th go out and buy bastards of the revolution you know if you're if, if this has wet your palate for historical fun <laughs> then 
then follow it up with a, a cozy read. That's yeah. my advice. Yeah. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. I recommend if you are looking for it, it is available on Hoopla. If you have a library card, you can have a Hoopla account. You can watch it for free. And if you, it is currently in standard definition available for $9.99 on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. But I will do one more plug. Don't forget to catch my next appearance on the Brandon Peters oh, show. No. Yep. When we talk the Muppet Family Christmas special. Not a traditional movie, but uh, All right. a television special from the from the 80s that is another one of my favorites. Look for that, you know, sometime around the holidays, either this year or holidays of 2023, whenever Brandon <laughs> decides to call me. We'll just see. But that's, I called my shot last time. I'm calling my All right, shot all right. Time. No, no doubt. <laughs> I won't forget. I tend to not forget these things. All right, but yeah, so that yeah, definitely. Uh, I I like it. I, granted, we're not talking about some the jerk that no one noticed movie. It's almost heroes. It's fun. Check it out. What else? Uh, this is where we just talk about anything else we've been taking in lately that isn't almost heroes. Something we read, wrote, put out in the world, watched. I don't know. Press, what else? I went to the movies the other night and I saw the movie Moonfall. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? I have about not. It? I will eventually check it out. But yeah, it looks ridiculous in a good way. But I don't even know, man. I don't know if it's in a good way. Okay. <laughs> It's rough. I, I saw that recently, and yeah, it's uh, it's got all the stuff, like all the cliche stuff to be, uh, well, okay, let me just put it this way. It's got all the cliche stuff to be a, an adventure space mm-hmm. movie. It's like one part Armageddon and one part Contact. Remember that? Uh, yeah, Joey yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is just like... Uh, a kind of the baby of those two movies. A little strange. I don't know how they got Halle Berry. Um, oh, because she does crazy shit like that. She likes doing those. Does she? I, oh, yeah. I don't know. Sometimes, um, sometimes it, it works for her. But no, I, I, I've heard it's lesser Roller em, Roland Emmerich. But mm, okay, yeah. yeah, that it's. Uh, um, it, I don't know, man. <laughs> it was there were so many weird moments i went there with my friend who's also my literary agent so we like to talk about story and just like Mm -hmm. how and we both left just kind of like laughing about every ridiculously cliche moment it was What what they don't tell you i don't know if you know this but what they don't tell you in the trailer is that I mean the trailer makes it seem like a disaster movie, mm-hmm. but uh, what they don't tell you is that it's actually an aliens movie, right? Like an alien encounter movie, and and I think if I had set my expectation going into that, I think I probably would have had a little more fun because because gotcha. when they finally got around to the alien thing, I was like, wait, like you have to be kidding me! I thought we were seeing kind of like an interstellar version of volcano or twister. Right, yeah, yeah, I yeah, just yeah, thought yeah, it was yeah. like a disaster movie, but no. That's no. what he makes, yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Move on. <laughs> what about you? What, what, what have you seen? I'm going to go something I watched last night on HBO Max, 
which I, I swear, folks, I'm not sponsored by HBO Max. Um, just happens to come up. Uh, Kimmy, it's uh, Steven Soderbergh's really? new Steven Soderbergh's new movie with uh, Zoe Kravitz, and mm-hmm. it is in the uh, genre of pictures that would include stuff like Rear Window, Blowout, Blow Up, The Conversation. Um, it's about a, a woman who uh, works from home, and she is an IT person for. Uh, like a Kimmy is basically Alexa oh, and she oh. works, she works the errors on there. So when people say something, that doesn't work right. She fixes the code to make it know something it didn't before. And she gets a piece of audio cause it'll have like the clip of someone telling it to play something and it's not playing it. Cause there's a girl like she goes, Oh, play me by Taylor Swift. Now playing your playlist of blah, blah, blah. Like, no, play me by playing your playlist. It's, so she has to fix it to say that. Well, she gets an audio clip of uh, what she thinks she hears is a, a murder happening. But um, the thing is, she's also afraid to leave home because of COVID. And she is also, she's also had an assault happen to her before, too. So she's really stuck in her apartment. And, it's triggered. Huh? Yeah. And she, she wants... Triggered. Yeah. yeah. And she wants this... She's told by one, one of her higher-ups to just delete it and move on. And she wants to know more and because she wants to help because she's had been abused before so she digs and it becomes this conspiracy theory like conspiracy type thriller and it's really pretty good and Soderbergh so he knows how to handle that stuff so it's it's a really cool movie and it's only it's a a swift 90 minutes on HBO Max Mm. and he made that one last year I liked uh, with Benicio Del Toro uh, and um the Last Jedi. No, yeah. Uh, what was it? Sudden, no sudden move or something like that. Him and Don uh, Cheadle. Yeah, that yeah. rings a bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. But I, you know, that guy was supposed to retire like 15 years ago, and he keeps making good films. So uh, I'm all Can't for retirement, Soderbergh. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Kimmy, Kimmy's really cool. Um, and also, before we go, I wanted to uh, ask you where you're at with the uh, Jackal convention that you're. I'm Come so on. glad you yeah. brought that up. Saturday yeah. of the Jackal. Saturday of the Jackal, right? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, so look, mark my words, and my wife is in the next room, and I hope she can overhear me say this, but this this summer is going to be the first annual Day of the Jackal fan convention. <laughs> one, one Saturday of the year. We're it'll, like, I'll host the first one over here in my garage through that door over there. And of course, Brandon, you're invited. I, 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 I want, I, I don't just want fans of day of the Jekyll there. I need the media there and you check mm-hmm. both the boxes. And so it's called Saturday of the Jackal and we're going to have pictures you know, with me or a dollar. Yeah, no, I, I'll let once you know. hosted podcast episode about day of the Jackal. Right. And, and I, uh, there'll be cosplay there. Um, there will be, uh, if I can, if I can zoom in someone who is in the movie, that'll be like the there'll be a panel. Movie. Yeah. There you go. There'll be a panel. Um, there'll be a photo op. Like I can, I'm going to like whip up a photo op that's day of the Jackal themed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe, maybe my wife is really good with her crickets. So maybe a souvenir t-shirt. Here we go. Awesome. Saturday of the Jackal. So that maybe that's maybe that's something you can share with your followers on social. Oh yeah. Like we're gonna cover it. We're doing it. 
We will cover it. I, I, you know, it's funny. It's when you're like, tell me about it. Like, oh, the name should be. I was like, I was trying to think of the. I was like, Assassination Con. You're like, dude, Saturday of the Jackal. I'm like, oh, well, fuck yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It works for any day of the week they want to have it. Really. No, you're right. No, absolutely. So, uh, Um, and when you say they, you mean we. We that we want to have it. Right. Yeah. Any day we want to have it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So, so, so anyone listening, if you wanna, if you wanna go to Saturday of the Jackal, you know, you just like email one of us, and we'll keep it. <laughs> yep, we'll give you the loop. We'll tell you about Saturday of the Jackal. Uh, hotel accommodations <laughs> done by yourself. Um, right. Right. There's a Holiday Inn Express over here. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Got plenty I of don't them. Don't tell anyone, but I've put, I've put like stuff in their dumpster before that doesn't fit in our trash can. So, you wouldn't be the first. Cool. All right. Well, that'll do, Prez. Uh, thanks for get visiting again and making good on your promise to do Almost Heroes. Uh, let people know where you can keep up with you and plug your book once again. Yeah, yeah. So, fine. like I said, April 5th, Bastards of the Revolution hits the world. Follow me on Twitter or Instagram at, at PressMax, and that's at P-R-E-S-M-A-X-S-O-N, or find me on Facebook uh, under PressMax and Author, and uh can't wait to hear from anybody who has made it this far in the episode and is interested in Saturday of the Jackal or has wants to talk almost heroes. We'll talk. I'll talk with you all day long about it. Saturday, Saturday of the Jack of the Jack. All right. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon 4 kuhd written work at There's more from the Brandon Peters show this week. But until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found. <laughs>